y'all, and welcome to the Jesus Conversation Podcast, where we have genuine conversations about Jesus and get to hear others share amazing stories of how the Lord has changed and impacted their lives. I'm your host, Brittany Harden. And wherever you are in your walk with Christ, or if you're just wanting to see who Jesus is, we welcome you and hope you will stick around to learn more about Him and how He can change your life too. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jesus Conversation Podcast. I am Brittany, and I'm so glad you're tuning in to this episode. If this is your first or second time joining us, I want to welcome you and pray that these stories you're about to hear will grow you closer to Jesus and bring you encouragement. On today's episode, we will be discussing the God who defines me. Whatever it is you're going through or been through in your life, I want to encourage you today that with God, your circumstances in any season don't define how God sees you. I know I've had a pretty traumatic upbringing, and I will be sharing that with you guys here in a little bit. But first, I want to welcome our first official guest of the Jesus Conversation podcast, Miss Becca Dickinson, who is my mama, y'all. She has a pretty amazing story she would like to share with you today, and I cannot wait for you all to hear it. So, Mama, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Britt. I am just so honored to be chosen as your first guest. Y'all, I have to tell you, I'm going to brag on my mama for a minute. So, my mama, she is literally my biggest support, and she's been a protector of me at times. And honestly, now she's one of my biggest mentors um, when it comes to our faith. And so, Mama, I just I couldn't do this without you, and I'm so glad you're here. Um, so, before we get started, though, I think our listeners want to know a little bit about you. So, what do you what do you, would you like to tell them? Well, my husband and I are currently living in North Central Texas. Um, we moved here in September of 2021. We were semi-retired. And um, so when we came up here, we moved up here closer to be closer to our children and our seven wonderful grandchildren that we have. So my husband um, built a brand new recording studio here in the area, and um, we both together started pursuing uh, real estate investing. So we officially opened our first Airbnb in September of 22, and y'all... Jesus has just blessed us. It is doing so well, and I'm just so over the moon about it and just give him all the praise for that. That's awesome, Mom. And I'm so glad that she came here. Um, I know that we've been, you know, we lived close together when I was younger and moved away, and then now you're back, and it's been it's been really great. And um, y'all, the music studio she's talking about is just amazing, so— yeah, it's um, Bowler Room Studio, and he's been in the music industry for 30-plus years, so I'm super proud of him, and he's my biggest fan, and I'm his biggest fan, and it's all worked out so well for us. Now, where is y'all's um, Airbnb located? So we have an, our first one up in Granbury. It's um, Comanche Cove area. It's, we're about eight minutes from downtown. Uh, we built a little three-bedroom, two-bath home, sleep six, little fire pit out in the backyard. And so we've just gotten great reviews. We had actually, our goal was to become super host in six months, and the Lord has just blessed us, and we were able to accomplish that goal in three so now we're just praying and waiting to see, you know, which direction God takes us from here, if we're ready to start our second one, but we'll see. I'm excited for you guys. That's awesome. Well, y'all, I'm one of those people, I like to just dive right in and get started. So, Mom, um, do you go ahead and mind sharing a little bit about your story with us today? So, to be totally transparent, 
I have been married three times, divorced twice. Um, my last marriage was um, a very difficult marriage, to say the least. We were married for 20 years, and the last 10 of it being totally unbearable. Um, we did take the children to church occasionally, um, but we weren't faithful in our walk. I know when you girls were little, I would take you to—I was the Daisy teacher at our Assembly of God church there where we lived. And But I think more at that time, it was just a religious experience and me doing what I thought was right and raising my children and going to church. I was baptized at a younger age and accepted Jesus at a younger age, but I wasn't really— in a relationship with God, if you will. But through our divorce, um, he, he was very narcissistic, um, the way that he treated, especially you, Brittany, you know, because you were his stepchild and not his biological child. And, and he was really rough on you, um, as well as rough on me. I mean, things are so bad, we would go, we lived in the same house and would go two weeks without saying a word with each other. Um, his favorite thing to call me was worthless. And I think, you know, words hurt. But that word to me, would just it just like cut me to the core. He was telling the person that he allegedly loved that I had no worth to him. I had no value to anyone. Um, I wasn't allowed to let your children do anything or discipline you guys without checking with them first. Or he would tell me and tell you guys, you know, don't listen to your mother. You do what I tell you to do. Um, there was a lot of abuse in the relationship. Um, and that's where he, he drank a lot. And that's when I drank a lot was just to try to cope and get through those times as well as, you know, antidepressants and substances that I was using to comfort myself instead of what I should have been doing was turning to God. Um, so, yeah, it was a very bitter, bitter marriage. So I got to the point where I had noticed him um, going to other women on websites, dating websites, and... Um, found out that he was, you know, seeking relationship outside of ours. And one day I just woke up. It's like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. So I literally packed my stuff and went and got an apartment. Um, and I had to start from there. And I think at that moment, because of all the trauma I'd been through in the last 10 years with him, um, I was broken. I was absolutely broken. And I remember one day I was putting things away in my apartment and I picked up my Bible and I just, you know, was praying and I opened it up. And there was a note that I had written, I don't know when, years ago probably. And it was Jeremiah 29, 11. And it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you and plans to give you hope in the future. And so that really touched me. I just knew at that moment that I wasn't alone, that God was there with me, and um, it was going to be okay.
It was his gentle way of showing up when I needed him the most. And that's something that he always does. I love you. <laughs> I love you. So, Mom, let me ask. Um, looking back at the woman that you were back then and the woman that you are now, is there anything that you would tell yourself back then? I would say that I don't need anyone or anything to validate me. Um, Jesus defines who I am. Jesus tells me that I'm loved. Jesus tells me I'm not worthless. I'm a child of God. It's like that song that states, um, I don't need my name in lights. I'm famous in my Father's eyes. He knows my name, and I know His name. And I call Him Father, and I have a true relationship with Him. So um, actually, my story, um, I'm reminded of the woman at the well. Um, and the reason why is because this woman had been married five times, and the man that she was currently living with, which was not her husband, um, Jesus had left Judea to go to Galilee, and he went out of his way to stop in Samaria to meet with this woman, and um, this woman would go to the well at noontime. She wouldn't go early in the morning with the other ladies. She would wait till noon because she was feeling, you know, disgusted with herself and, and ashamed of the life that she had lived. But Jesus went a two-day walk out of his way to be there when he knew she was going to be there. And he just let her know that he asked her for a drink. And back in those days, the Samaritans and the Jews, they didn't get along at all. Mm -mm. So she was like, why are you speaking to me? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. And um, they get into this conversation, and so he tells her at one point that he doesn't need to drink from the well, that he can offer her living water bubbling up in her soul, that she would never be thirsty again. And so she's like, yes, give me that water. And he tells her, go with your husband. And that kind of just like stopped her in her tracks. She's <laughs> like, I don't have a husband. And he told her that he knew that she didn't have a husband. He knew that she had had five husbands before and that um, he loved her and he offered her that living water. And that excited her so much that she ran back to her village and she told everyone, I have met the Messiah. He told me that... I am he. I am the one you're searching for. So she goes to town and she grabs all of the people and they come and listen to him preach. And the thing that I love most about this story is that the woman at the well never had a name. And I love that because I believe it's an invitation for us to step into that passage. God invites us in knowing everything that we have ever done he knows us before we are even in our mother's womb. And that grace and that mercy and His grace and mercy, I have no context for that kind of love. And that's just how I feel about Him. And something else I always admired about that story is that, you know, people knew her as a Samaritan woman in her village. Nobody had real respect for her because of her past. 
And yet when she goes to town and they, you know, she starts announcing all of this, everybody's super skeptical because they're like, oh, it's just the Samaritan woman. She's just, you know, talking, you know, hot air, essentially. Um, But when Jesus comes to the town and starts preaching, like you mentioned, it says that many were saved. So she got to be a vital part of the gospel, you know, bringing in way and starting that way and, 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 you know, announcing Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And I love that God can use anybody. I sincerely love that he will choose anybody. And, you know, you look at the Bible and God does not pick people that you assume. Exactly. He doesn't pick the ones that are already cleaned up. And that's what I love about God. You don't have to come to him clean. That's the whole purpose. Come to him and he will make you or he will enable you to make the changes that you need in your life. You don't have to be cleaned up first to come to him. He loves you already so much. I remember a pastor one time said, you know, you don't have to be clean to come to Jesus, but going to Jesus makes you clean. Absolutely. It's like, you know, we were talking about yesterday. Um, I feel like I want more of Jesus and less of me because when you have that relationship with Christ and I can call him my father and and turn to him, it's just so wonderful that I can come to him as I am and it's all him. It's all him. It's all him. Well, I mean, even when you look at the disciples, I mean, you know, Matthew was a tax collector, you know, and the two brothers were fishermen. And, you know, you look at Moses, you know, Moses was a murderer. And he stuttered. And he stuttered. Yes. Yeah. He was not a good speaker. And yet God chose to use these people because he knew how their heart was open to being used by him. You know, you're... um. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest here and kind of open myself up now to the other half of your story. So, you know, growing up as the daughter who was in this exact same relationship, but as a child and looking up at a father figure, it was hard. I, you know, there were words like, you're wrong, that's, you're stupid, you're not good enough was something that I heard daily. And I could never be enough. Um, So not only was I verbally abused and physically abused along with my mother, um, there were times that I would tell my father a lie because he wouldn't accept the truth. He had an answer already predetermined in his mind And I would lie. And when I tell you that my mom was my protector, I'm not lying to you. There were times where my father would come after me and my mom would get in the way. And she would be holding him back from beating me. And when I think about how Jesus went to the cross and was beaten and was cursed and was rejected. I truly saw that in my mother because I understood why she did it, and I can see now that Jesus did it for the same reasons, and that was out of love. And up until this year, um, I had a really hard time calling Jesus Father, and I'm 
35 years old. (laughs) But the ramifications of my past really just held a very hurtful disposition for me. And I'll be honest, I believe part of my upbringing did lead me down the road as an adult to just make bad decisions. And I'm not saying all of them were because of my upbringing because I'm an adult and, you know, I can make my own decisions as well. But I did start to lean on men in my, you know, younger adult years in order to be validated and and wanted. It led me to do things outside of marriage that I shouldn't do. And I tried to use men to fill those holes that I felt were there from childhood But I do remember one summer, I was early in college, and it was the first time that I had lived on my own um, since I had returned from Germany, which I'll have to tell you guys that story in in and of itself. Um, I got to live in Germany on a scholarship out of high school, but once I returned, I went to college um, in Austin, Texas. And it was the first time I lived by myself. You know, I made my own rules. I made my own money. And... You know, I worked hard to play hard, so to speak. You know, I would work very hard, go to school full time, and on the weekends, I would just party. You know, I got sucked into that lifestyle of, you know, going out, drinking, filling my life with those monetary things in order to feel wanted, in order to feel better. And I remember one time I went onto campus for class, and there was a group of students there, and they were called Christian Crusaders for Christ. And they're like, hey, you know, we're having a little event. Um, Do you want to join us? And I was like, well, what are you about? You know, I wasn't very entertained by what they were telling me. And they're like, you know, we're we're Christians and we're doing Bible studies. And I just remember how nice they were. And that just really drew me to them, knowing that they didn't know me from Adam, you know. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll try it. And so I went to a few Bible studies. And this is the fun part where God steps in. Um. You know, I got to know these people pretty well. And now did it prevent me from still doing the things I wanted? No. But it did start planting seeds. And I remember them inviting me to a—it was like a retreat. And it was like two hours away. And, you know, working full-time and going to school full-time and college student, you know, you want a budget. (laughs) And (laughs) I remember thinking like, Lord—and I hadn't prayed. I hadn't prayed in a long time. But I prayed. And I said, Lord, listen— this sounds fun, but I don't know how I'm going to get there. And I want to preface this too because um, there was about, this is about two years into my college, my first college degree. And I just want to say this too before I go any farther. During that two year period, God really did work on my heart because I was broken in a lot of ways. And I had a lot of hate in my heart, and I had, I had a lot of hate for him. I, I I can definitely feel that. I know I felt I was feeling the same way. I think it was probably the same time frame too. Yes, it was. And I, you know, I in that two year period, I can tell you guys that the Lord did help me relinquish that feeling of hate. Now, do I remember the hurt? Well, yes. I mean, it's evident in both of us, you know, but do I have hate towards him? No, I don't. And I do wish him well, you know, and anything that he is doing. 
But that being said, we have replenished that relationship. Now, are we really close? No, but we are cordial. And the reason I back that up and tell you that is because of what I'm fixing to tell you. So my dad and me had, you know, refurbished our relationship to where he agreed to pay for my rent every month while I was in Austin, but I was responsible for my college tuition, all of my books, any kind of bills I had. And I remember after I had prayed to God about going, my dad called me. It was a Friday, and I knew that afternoon they'd be leaving for this, you know, retreat. And he called me and he said, hey, listen, I put your rent in the bank account. And he said, I did something I don't ever do. I put in $230 extra for you. Such a random number. Guys, I kid you not when I tell you that was the exact amount that I needed to go to that retreat. I remember I called up my friend and she had like a tiny, tiny little car. We probably piled five people in that car and it was so loaded down that we would go over bumps and the back of the car would like hit the ground. (laughs) But I remember we were so excited and something miraculous happened that weekend. And it's hard to explain, so I bear that I just pray you'll bear with me as I talk about this. But so we had chapel that first night, and I remember the sermon was over forgiveness and just giving God everything that you had held on to for so long. And I remember I was probably like ten rows back from the stage, and there was multiple sections, you know how it is in the church, okay. and. I had all my friends around me, and I just remember closing my eyes, and I just started giving God everything I had. And I told him everything from the beginning, just how I felt and how hurt I had been and all the things I had done as an adult that I was ashamed of. And all of a sudden, it was like a foreign language just started pouring out of my mouth. And I I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to explain it. And a friend of mine later was like, I didn't know you could speak in tongues. And I was like, what is a tongue? Like, what does that mean? You know, and she explained to me that it's this beautiful hidden language that God gives certain people. Yeah. And that, you know, if you, if this happens, you're supposed to do it in a public setting because it will, you know, it will be revealed as to what was said. And I didn't think much of it at the time. I was just thankful and felt better. You know, I felt like I had let everything off my shoulders and I'll never forget this next part. So I'm leaving and I'm, you know, I'm kind of scooting out the, the the little row I'm in. And this lady was sitting on the front row and she does a full 180 and she like beelines towards me. And I'm like, what did I do? I'm about to make someone mad. You know, she about to come fight me. And she walked up to me and she just laid her hands on my shoulders and she said, I don't know you. And she said, but I could hear you from the back. And she said, I want you to know that God says it's going to be okay. And those are those beautiful times I'm talking about where He meets you right where you're at. Yeah. And so, guys, um, I can't explain, you know, how freeing that felt, but if I'm completely honest with you, I wanted His forgiveness, but I wanted to do what always felt comfortable And that was continued to sin. Mm -hmm. So even though I'd had this miraculous moment with God and had this, you know, spiritual awakening happen, I went right back 
to doing the things that I had always done. I felt better, but it wasn't laying around in the kingdom like I should have been doing. I should have turned away right then and there, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. And we all kind of go through things like that, you know, like when that verse fell out of my Bible, I I did pray and I did tithe, and but I was still living in sin, you know, still doing what I needed to comfort myself and in, in getting past this relationship. And I never had an intention of ever being married again, but God saw saw differently than <laughs> I met my wonderful husband, and I couldn't ask for a better partner. He supports me in everything I do, and we go to church together, and I'm so blessed that God put a man of God in my life, and we can continue this journey together. Amen. Amen. So, funny thing, you're talking about your husband. Um, have I ever really told you the story about how I met Garrison, my husband? Oh, tell me. So, a couple years later, so following school, you know, I graduated school, and I had this thought in my mind that I was going to go into the Air Force. And, you know, I was like, God's got it determined that I'm going to go in the Air Force, and I'm going to I'm gonna speak foreign languages for the Air Force. And I, I did. I went in and took their language test. It's a made-up test. I got Russian was my assigned language. And I remember how excited they were when they were like, do you want to be on the ground or do you want to be in the air? I'm like, put me in the air. <laughs> I want to see all the world. And I moved to Abilene, so still in my sin. I was living with a man who I was not married with, um, doing things that I should not be doing outside of marriage. And that relationship was awful. A lot like your relationship, Mom, I found out he was doing things behind my back. Um, But financially, I couldn't get away. I I had no way out. And I was working two jobs, you know, just trying to support myself until I was leaving for boot camp. And 20 days till boot camp, my recruiter calls me. Now, granted, I'm in Abilene, Texas, and my recruiter is in Fort Worth. I mean, that's a good three and a half hour drive. And he would he told me, he goes, Brittany, your initial test scores for the Air Force have expired because you have been waiting in this program for so long. And you have to understand, on this initial test, you have to learn everything. English, you know, it's writing, English, science, math. And I hadn't done anything at this point for a year and a half as I was waiting So in the matter of two weeks, I had to sit down and crunch study all of that stuff again. And I went in and retook the test, and I missed my job by two points. And I really had to have a come-to-Jesus moment. And I was like, Lord, what do you want from me? You know, I got my degree from Austin in photography, and I was using that in my day job. You know, I was a photographer for a company and made family portraits, and I loved it. But I just knew that God had more for me. And so I remember sitting down, and I remember praying again, again, for like the first time in a couple years. And I felt the need to apply to a Christian school of all places. And I thought, Lord, I don't even know what I want to do. I don't know, I don't know what I want to go into. And I said, I'm going to apply. If I get a scholarship and can afford to go, I'm going to do it. Well, I applied, got a scholarship, started going. And I remember the first day I walked on campus, they had like this huge welcome area, And when I walked in, that was the second time in my life I felt that warm feeling I had felt back when I was at Christian Crusaders for Christ in that chapel, just that warm, overwhelming feeling that now I know was the Holy Spirit, but at the time, I really didn't know what that was. And I felt it walking on that campus. Shout out to Christian Abilene University for that. But I 
was changed going to that school. And I remember I had been in that school for a month when I went back home and said to my boyfriend, we're sleeping in separate rooms. I'm no longer going to give my body to you. I started going to church by myself. I got rebaptized um, as an adult, you know, making that cognizant decision. And I think like two weeks after I got baptized, the Lord put on my heart to reach out to christianmingle.com. I am not an online dating person. I had, <laughs> I had never done that. Me I thought, either. I thought that was weird. And I was like, Lord, are you sure? Because I'm still living in the house with my ex. And it just feels, it feels icky to do that. He's like, Brittany, just get on there and, and put on there you're looking for friends. So I did. I went on there. I said I was putting on there. I was looking for friends. And there was a guy who messaged me, and I would not o- open it. And I, his name was Big G. And I thought, what <laughs> goober <laughs> has the name no, Big G? So. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all forgive me. I thought he was some kind of jock. <laughs> I was like, I'm not about to do that. But I, I remember going back on like a week later, and I, I felt the Lord be like, just open it. And I was like, okay. And I opened it, and I and I thought he was going to be a creeper. I really did. I thought, what creepy dude, you know? <laughs> and literally, the first line, and, and and it said, "Look, I'm not a creeper." <laughs> That's hilarious. And so I decided to meet up with him at church. Come to find out, we went to the same church. And y'all, I can attest today that we're fixing to celebrate nine years next month. So That's awesome! You two guys are so perfect together. I mean, you couldn't have a better partner. He's a great father. He's a man of God. And I'm just so happy for y'all. Thanks. But it's so funny that, you know, you talk about God meets you where you're at. And, you know, God, knowing that I was purposely living in sin with my boyfriend at the time, still reached down, scooped me up, and said, I want more for you, Britt. I want more for you. And, you know, sometimes the choices we make, they they do have long-term effects, you know, Absolutely. and I, I hope I'm encouraging to you guys when I say that no matter the amount of time that you've had to deal with the replications of a choice that you've made, God can release you from those chains that bind you, whether that's drugs, alcohol, you know, sex outside of marriage, porn, if you self-sabotage, whatever it is that you are dealing with. I hope you know that God can break you of that habit and redeem you for those choices. I mean, I'm a, me and mom are both walking testimonies um, that he has and that he continues to show us, you know, where we're broken and he is there to help us pick up the pieces and restore us with more of him and less of us. And I want you to know this too, that your circumstances, no matter you know, what you're dealing with or have dealt with, do not define you, but God defines you. And I want to give you a good example. You know, in the Bible, we learn back in Joshua 2 about a prostitute by the name of Rahab. And what I love about this, you know, that's Old Testament. And when we get to go and see God's faithfulness be fulfilled a lot of the time in the New Testament— We get to see in Matthew 1 that Rahab goes from being known as Rahab the prostitute to Rahab, the grandmother of the Messiah. So, guys, I hope 
these stories are encouraging to you today. I hope you can see that God is near to the brokenhearted. And I want to leave you today with some scripture so that you can see for yourself what God says about your circumstances and how He defines you, how He sees you. When we have made that choice for the relationship with Him, He no longer will see our past sins that we have committed, but He is looking at us through the blood of Jesus, which washes away all of our sins. And that includes our past sins and anything in the future. Now, I want to prove this by showing what Paul tells us. And Paul says this, And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. And that's in Hebrews 8.12. I want to preface this by saying this too. This doesn't mean you can continue to blatantly sin and know that they're forgiven. Because even Paul says it here too. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth— There is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. And that's in Hebrews 10, 26. And I kind of want to piggyback on that. Um, You know, as I stated earlier, getting over this situation that I was in, God was prompting me to forgive my abuser. And that was a hard pill to swallow. I'm like, Lord, I am not doing that. I can't do that. I'm not ready for that. And he still just kept laying it on my heart. And so finally one night, I remember laying in bed, and I said, okay, God, you get your way. And I said, Father, please forgive him. I forgive him. And that was the hardest prayer I had to pray, and it was short, and it was simple. But, you know, after that, it was just like a burden had been lifted from me. And that's all it took. It just had to be... You have to be in obedience. You know, God says that we must forgive others for our sins to be forgiven. And I think that is probably the hardest thing about being in situations that we either put ourselves in and something bad happens or those situations just happen and it's like wrong place, wrong time. And we, you know, have to deal with the ramifications of what happened in those moments. But the best thing that I can encourage you guys to do is remember that God is there, and that means that you have hope. Hope in a loving God who wants that relationship with you because He loves you. He wants you to come to Him for what you need and not look out to the world for momentary relief. And just like the woman at the well, just like my mom, and just like me, (laughs) we've all struggled with sin And we've all struggled with letting God show us who we are in His eyes. So instead of letting our circumstances or the world dictate who we are, we can allow God to show us who we are. So on a side note, I love the number seven. Seven in the Bible means, you know, completeness or perfection. And so today, before we leave, I want to give you guys seven verses about what God says about you. So as you're going about your week this week, I hope you can be thinking about these. You know, remember the fact that God says these things about you, and He wants you to see how incredibly loved and wanted by the Father you are. I encourage you to write these on your bathroom mirror or somewhere you can see them daily until you start to believe them yourself. So first— God gives you identity in Him. 
and he calls you his. 1 John 3, 3 says, See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. Second, you are made new through him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come and the old has gone. The new is here. Third, and probably one of the most important, you are so loved. Isaiah 43.4 tells us, Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. Number four, you are forgiven. The Bible says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. Fifth, you are God's masterpiece. The Bible says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance as our way of life. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. For we are God's masterpiece. That is Ephesians 2.10. That is so beautiful. I love that one. Number six, you have a purpose. Jeremiah 1.5 is one of my favorite, favorite verses, and it says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. And finally, number seven, which is my favorite one that we're going through today, is that God wants a relationship with you. Jeremiah 29, 13 very close to your Jeremiah 29.11 mom, says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. So ending our day today, guys, I am happy to proclaim that God has helped me be released from the hurt from my father. And I can proclaim that mom has also been able to give that up to God. Right, exactly. I'm not going to lie, it wasn't easy. Hardest thing I've ever done, I think, to release it or to even make the effort to release it. Amen. But more importantly, y'all, I encourage those of you who are dealing with a past hurt, if the ones who wronged you never see the wrong and what they've done, I want you to know that God knows who you are and loves you. And I want you to think about something, too. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, he never asked the ones who hurt him for an apology. He never got that. So how can we expect that from others who don't see what they're doing wrong? Yes, when he's there on the cross, he's saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Amen. I hope this means more to you guys than any past that could ever hurt you. Mama, I want to thank you today for coming and sharing your vulnerability with us. And I thank you guys for listening. Now, before we end for the day, I would love to say a prayer for you guys. 
So if you want to close your eyes or just, if you're driving, don't do that. Just if you want to go ahead and join me in this. Father, thank you for the day and everything you've blessed us with. Thank you for the person on the other side of this. Father, I pray you will meet them where they are at, that they will be brave in reaching out to you with whatever they're dealing with. Father, I pray that in the next few moments, if they will just reach out to you, Lord, make yourself be known to them. Father, let them know above all that you are near, that you love them, and that they matter. I pray, Father, that they will be bold in coming to you with what they need, that they will be open and vulnerable and honest. I thank you, Father, for the opportunity to speak to them today. And I pray that the words that we have spoken will resonate and bring glory to your precious name. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So you might be thinking, is God real? Can he really work in my life the way he does in the stories you're hearing on this show? And the answer is simple, yes. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart and have that relationship with him, we wanna provide that opportunity for you today to make that decision. It starts with a relationship with him. So wherever you are, God is going to meet you and change you. It starts with the decision to invite him in and let him be your Lord and Savior. If that's you, I would like to ask you to repeat after me. You can do this in your heart or out loud, wherever you are, God is listening. Repeat after me. Lord, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Make me clean again. I believe your son died on the cross for me and was raised three days later. Today, I confess that Jesus is your son and I want you to be my Lord and Savior. Please come into my heart and make me new. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Friend, if you just said this prayer, let me encourage you. The Bible tells us that you have now been made new. All your sins are forgiven and you will join God in heaven one day. I am so excited for you. We would love to hear that you have made this decision. Please feel free to shoot us an email so we can get you a Bible and help you get connected. This is the greatest decision of your life, and I am so happy for you. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time for today, but we would like to say a special thank you to our listeners for joining us. And please be sure to check us out on our social media pages at Jesus Conversation Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And a special thank you to the generosity of Boiler Room Studios, located here in Alito, Texas, just outside of Fort Worth, for allowing us to record in their new state-of-the-art studio. Please check them out on Facebook at Boiler Room Studios for all your recording needs. Until next time, we are praying for you and asking God's blessing be upon you. Have a great week.